these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. Your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. As all these these idiot teams beat up on each other in the in the in-season NBA tournament, the Timberwolves get to kick back, put their feet up, and beat up on bad teams and pad their record. Three-game lead on the next closest team in the Western Conference, boys. Judd and Declan are here hanging out mm-hmm. on Flagrant House today. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to dive into the comment section today, gentlemen. So put your put your goggles on. Put your, uh, your comment section wetsuit on. We're going to dive into the comment section. Kurt, Kurt Rambis, Rambis goggles. Got the big goggles. I loved how uh, <laughs> Kyle pointed out that fact. I, th- I don't know if we talked about this when I know you got YouTube probably did, but uh, when he pointed out that fact of the Timberwolves already passing the 09-10 Timberwolves for 15 wins, because that's how yeah. many wins they won all season. Yeah. And of course, my brain remembers like they went on an awesome, weird win streak. And I like looked it up and they won like five in a row in January. Wow. And like, and they only won over, 15 like, on the season. And and they like they beat like the Lakers who like weren't as good, but like they beat the Suns. They like had like some really impressive wins. And then from like February to the end of the season, they went two and twenty eight. They won oh, two games man. like from February to the end of the year. We played a game. We did it with that with the the fifteen win milestone. Then when they got their sixteenth win, the I think it was the two thousand ten eleven Wolves won sixteen games. And so I quizzed Kyle. One of those seasons, they were, the Wolves had 29 different players start at least one game. Oh, my God. And oh I tried to God. see how many names Kyle could rifle off. He named like 12 out of, out of the – or no, it was 19. It was 19. He named like 12 out of the 19. The best but, the, the best Wolves segment, I think, in the history of going back to, to our um, AM 1500 days was Phil Mackey against the late great Flip Saunders in a random Wolves <laughs> name-off. You were, we were an at the obscure State Fair, Timberwolves name. Obscure, right? Yes, he was. He was in his car, and like you guys are going through these, you know, early night. Yeah. Oh, well, no, like nineties. It, it was like yeah. Shane Heal. He comes it back was, with Stoiko Vrankovic. It was just Dean great. Garrett. I'll see it your was, Dean Garrett raise you a Will Avery. He's like, I drafted that guy. Yeah. He was, <laughs> yeah. You weren't gonna win, but it was fantastic. Oh man. So let's, let's dive in here. And by the way, thank you guys for, I see flagrant howls has been regularly popping up into like the top 40 basketball podcasts in the country on the Apple chart. So thank you guys. I know Kyle is uh, is a huge part of that too here, the flagrant howls family. So if the best thing you can do to help us grow flagrant howls. And by the way, Kyle was on WCCO TV interviewed Kyle on behalf of wolves fans and gave a huge pimp to flagrant so house yesterday so yeah we were on too our pictures got on they did they thought declan was kyle no I think question they thought that's right you guys have both have mustaches i'm yeah, not sure I whatever like, i i think they might have thought that that I was skinny kyle. young guy yep. <laughs> but you if you guys can give us a five-star rating and a positive review on apple Podcasts and spotify and click the like button and the subscribe button on the scornoth youtube channel you can help us keep growing flagrant house here um, let's start with, uh, we're just going through the, uh, YouTube comment section and also questions you guys have sent us through the score North app. There's a feedback tab. You can just send questions into the shows. Michael Sikowitz says, I was wrong guys. It's very big of you, Michael. He says, I thought the trade last year for Rudy Gobert was dumb. Add that it was expensive in picks and picks are at a, are, are power at trade deadlines. I'm here in Milwaukee, hated the holiday trade to the Drew Holiday trade back in the day. Big trades are the only way to get there nowadays, though, unless you draft a Giannis or get lucky. 
The Wolves look really good going into the late rounds without question this year. Size and defense, you have both. So he seems like a Bucks fan who's saying, I was wrong about this. I'm going to go through this trade. You tell me now. Rudy Gobert is one of the best players in the NBA this season. He just grabbed 20 rebounds, 16 points on eight shots the other night against the Spurs. Defensive player of the year, front runner. Would you would you unravel this at all? So the Wolves, the Wolves got Malik Beasley, who, you know, he can shoot some threes. Troy Brown Jr. is basically Malik Beasley. You can find those guys. Patrick Beverly, Leandro Balmaro, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, just came back from injury. And then uh, four first-round picks and a pick swap. I mean, Patrick Beverly, I'd rather have him on podcasts. Balmero, I think, has played five minutes in the NBA, basically. Yeah, that's... Malik Beasley was already replaced by Troy Brown Jr. Walker and Kessler. He's now. Yep, he's in their starting lineup. Yeah, he's with Milwaukee. Yeah. Like, I mean, unless you want Vando back, it's funny. You look at this trade now, and it's really I'd, – I'd, like, I'd kick another first-round pick to Utah <laughs> for the way Rudy – hey, Utah, uh, what do you want? You want Shake Milton and another first? Okay, sounds good. But I, I don't think it's unfair to say that the trade was uh, 100% disappointing a year ago. Like, I, I think there's two ways – to look at this it took a year essentially and i do think it took i i think Go- gobert is healthy he's more comfortable there's a lot of factors here but i mean i think it was fine to look at that trade and w- when we got to i don't know this time last season and say this isn't really what you expected and now to, to be like i mean to be honest this is how the intention of how that trade should have worked right like this is from from a wolf side from the wolf side this is the intention like when you're going to give up, because you gave up a lot as far as the comp, the compensation, I think, of draft picks. So this is what I would have expected to go to the top, like near to the go, top of the conference. Right. And yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and for and for him to be um, at least just starting from a defensive standpoint, dominant. Like we had conversations last year, a lot of times about like, where's the defensive impact from Gobert? Well, now you're seeing it, it's like, holy cow. But I, I, you know, I don't think that you need to, to say, well, I was completely wrong because a year ago it looked like it wasn't a great trade and now it's working and that's great. But I mean, I, I also think it's very fair to say this was this was largely, if not fully, the expectation. And now you're seeing it. Yeah. And it's happening a season later. There's also, you know, just Chris Finch has gone on the record. He was on the herd this week and. And he, I think, I think he said it on that podcast or on that radio show. He said, we thought it was going to take 40 or 50 games in that first year to get the big guys to play together. Cause it's, I mean, it's a, it's a huge vision and they, they thought they needed half a season or maybe more to get everything to go. And then Carl goes down with the injury and now you're just kind of like on the fly. And then they kind of find out that the D'Lo and Rudy had no chemistry and they're working through all that. So I get it, but you want to talk about bad trades that's not even close to the worst trade that the, like I went back and looked at the KG trade. Someone brought this up. I don't know if it was Kyle or Ross brought it up on flagrant house earlier this week. This is the Kevin Garnett trade. The wolves made in 2007. Okay. So the wolves traded one of the greatest players of all time to the Boston Celtics in his prime at his peak, ready to rumble. The franchise had fallen behind where KG was. They got to They got to make something happen. And they wind up getting Ryan Gomes, Gerald Green. He did blow a bur- uh, a candle out on the back of the rim. Are you okay there, Declan? Yeah, my dog just scared the absolute bejesus out of me. He scratched the door, and I wasn't prepared for that. 
I'm also loaded up on caffeine and nothing in my stomach, so like my heart just went completely to my And you just got done do, doing oh two lines God. of coke as well. Yeah. We won't people, talk about people that. People are going to clip that that scene of me just jumping right there, and that was absolutely. What's terrible. going on? What the hell is going on? Cardiac oh, arrest. God, I thought it was the Ryan Gomes part of the. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ryan you. Gomes might might have been the best player. No, Al Jefferson was, but they get they get Ryan Gomes, Gerald Green. Al Jefferson was a good player for a couple years, but nope, you know, steady. not like a franchise leader. Theo Ratliff's contract, Sebastian Telfair, and two first-round picks that wound up being Wayne Ellington and Johnny Flynn for yeah. one of the 25 greatest players, 30 greatest players in NBA history. So this brings up an interesting thing about trades and sports, too. And I think this is where, where the Gobert trade and the Garnett trade are, are completely different examples. The Gobert trade, right or wrong, came from a position of we're going to be aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like it was in no way well, we we got to trade all these draft picks because we got too many draft picks. It was a I'm going to go balls to the wall to be aggressive here. It might work, it might not work, but this is going to be an aggressive move. And it's incredibly aggressive. It got criticized. Now, now it should be praised more. Um, Garnett, though, and we've seen this before. Kevin Garnett trade is a position of weakness which is everybody knows it's not aggressive. You're trying to unload an asset and get as much as possible. And if, if you look at the history of sports in this town, there have been a lot of examples. I go back to my first one was when Bobby Smith demanded a trade from the North Stars, and he was a great player. But Louie had, but he basically said, I'm going to retire if you don't trade me. And so it's not that you get a terrible return, but you're never going to be in a position of strength. Mm-hmm. Um it, it's the incredible thing about the Knobloch trade because, again, position of weakness, Terry Ryan got a great return there. Mm-hmm. But the Johan trade, in some ways, can be seen as, again, you've got to move him. So n- no team is going to say, we will give you everything possible. So I do think the Gobert trade, I like the I like the basis of the thought process there, which is, okay, we don't have to make this trade, but I'm going to make it from a from a position of, I want to be aggressive. I, I just think, unfortunately, and I hate to be the broken record and keep circling back to this, but I don't think anyone will look at that trade in a positive unless the Wolves make a playoff run. Like, if they I, they look like they're going to make a run, I think they will. But if they get bounced in the first round or Gobert looks unplayable in, in the playoffs again, they're going to circle those wagons right back to where it was that the Wolves gave up a lot for a guy who can't be played in the playoffs. Which there is, is a question coming up that's kind of along the lines of, like, wait for the playoffs that, We'll, so we'll put a pin in that, and we'll get back to that. But just one more thing here. This is from Nick Heinen on the, on the trade fleecing front. Everybody wants to judge the Rudy trade and say how trash it was, but yet how is nobody talking about this trade? Okay, I forgot about this. When the Clippers and the Oklahoma City Thunder agreed to a Paul George trade, so Paul George was with the Thunder, and then the Clippers acquired him yep. a couple years back, like, what, four years ago? This was the trade. So the Clippers get Paul George. Oklahoma City gets Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who is a top 10 player. He's, he's a better NBA player now than for the last couple of years than Paul George is. He's, yeah. one, he's like a 30 points per game score. He's unstoppable. Danilo Gallinari, who played one season in Oklahoma City the year after Paul George left, obviously. And they, went, they won 44 games. They were the fifth seed in the Western Conference in large part because Gallinari was a really good role player for that team and Shea Gildas-Alexander. I'm counting like five first-round picks. Uh, 2022, 24, 26. But then there was also like 
a Miami first round pick thrown in, another Miami first, so like a handful of first round picks. And no one circles back to that and says, oh boy, the Clippers are, uh, they're like a 500 team right now with a healthy Paul George and a Kawhi Leonard. They've done virtually nothing in the postseason. So it's just kind of funny, like what people will get outraged over. If you trade for Paul George because he's a better scorer than Rudy Gobert, oh, you can give up whatever you want. doesn't matter. We're not even going to go back and look at it. But if you trade for Rudy Gobert, because he's not the prototypical offensive superstar that you're used to changing a franchise. So, you know, yeah, go back. The, the Paul George trade should be way ahead of the line in terms of trades to be criticized uh, than the Rudy Gobert trade. I think part of the thing, too, is, and th- this is just going to be a progression that's going to take some time. The Timberwolves have been a punchline for so long that their moves, I think, are scrutinized more as being comical. Your first instinct is, well, that's dumb. Like, or yeah, they don't, like, Glenn, yeah. But like, if you're a big an NBA fan, you you are like, oh, it's the Timberwolves again. It, it's like us with the Lions for years, right? Like for years, you're just like, well, they're they're the Lions. The they Lions. suck. Oh, the Lions drafted a wide receiver in the first round. That guy's screwed. Yeah, yeah. they're a gong show. <laughs> Un- so until I think, he's not Calvin Johnson. Yeah, and and look, the Wolves deserved that, but I do think that it's now. It's finally now going to be, hopefully, to a point where they're not just a punchline consistently. But it's probably going to take, like Declan said, a playoff run and a few years. What's going to be interesting, though, is the Wolves have only had, I think, the one nationally televised game. Like it was the, the Spurs game the other night. On I'm not counting NBA TV, like ESPN, TNT, actual nationally televised game. Yeah. And so you're, they got these 30, 40-minute pregame shows, and they're sort of forced to talk about the teams that are playing that night. And so they talked about Wemby, but then they also devoted like a 10 or 15 minute block to talking about the Timberwolves and Kendrick Perkins bowed down to the Wolves and Anthony Edwards in the culture. It was like the first nationally uh, like featured pregame show that I've seen spend that much time on the Wolves and have someone praise them. I'm really curious when the Wolves get their first TNT game of the year, those guys, and rightfully so, like there are some games in the playoffs, they've savaged towns. It was all warranted. Yeah, uh, but Barkley Barkley pointed out a couple times in that playoff series last year, you know, what they trade for, you know, he's like this discovering in the playoff that they traded for Rudy Gobert. Right? He's like, what they yeah. what they make that trade for? That's a dumb trade. You can't have two seven footers playing together. Like if they keep playing like this and they're on a Thursday night TNT game, will the TNT guys kind of go back and say, boy, boy, some of the stuff we were saying about this franchise might have been wrong last year. And Chuck has to love Ant, right? Like Ant's got to be a Chuck. Yeah favorite did, did you guys see what what they did with the crossover sets oh, last night brilliant with dude. chuck and then bob, with the former bob Myers? yeah the former warriors gm bob myers i want to congratulate you bob uh, <laughs> i want to congratulate you on on stealing money on tv like the rest of us and for jumping off the titanic <laughs> before it sank and bob turns around and goes chuck those are my friends he goes you're gonna be seeing them soon yeah <laughs> oh my god and that then Stephen great. a played Played the game that Chuck plays for who who he played who for. Who he played for, yeah. And Stephen A got all of them wrong. It's like one. Shaq and a fool featured Stephen A. It was and I felt I kind of felt bad. There's a couple of them like Malika's just up there, you know. What do you even you just sit there and be quiet, I guess. Well, yeah, that's fine. Titans. But yeah, that was God, I hope they do more of that. And that's one of the big things about the about the in season playoff too. They're doing like creative things with media now and that crossover <laughs> was God that Charles. Was <laughs> I want to congratulate you for getting off the Titanic. The Titanic. <laughs> uh, Morgan Haas says, officially on pace for 65 and 17 record this season, the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. Last year's team loses that game to Charlotte. 
maybe loses the game to Spurs to. Love the way these guys are grinding out wins without key pieces on the floor. Goes to show the value of our imported vets in maintaining stability when facing adversity uh, and still having Cat to fall back on for offense when Ant isn't clicking. So here's something I, I want to exercise some caution here for Wolves fans, flagrant house listeners. So they are currently on pace for like 65 wins. Morgan's correct. Uh, they have Memphis tonight. Memphis has shown some life. They haven't gotten job back. Once they get job back, they might, but like they're so buried in the standings. But they've go beat Memphis tonight. That'd be great. But then the next 16 games after this Memphis game, all 16 of those games are against current playoff teams that are 500 or better. So they're, my caution is they're probably not going to keep playing at a 16-4 and four pace over those 16 games. But here's the fun part. They've already racked up so much of a cushion here. This is like the, the team from 20 years ago, the, the 3 yep. 4 Wolves, they started like 9-9 nine and nine with Sprewell and Cassell. And it was like, okay, we get, now we got to get going. Now we got to make our hay in January and February to work our way up to the top of the conference. I'm yep. not saying that we want to see like a 2-10 and 10 stretch here by any means, but let's say you beat Memphis tonight, a little bit presumptuous, but let's say you beat Memphis tonight, and then you can go 8-8 eight and eight maybe in those 16 games. Just play 500 basketball for a month against playoff teams. You'd still be 25-12 and 12 coming out of that stretch. A 56-win pace. And the teams that are currently behind you in the standings would have to go like over those 16 games, 12 and four, 13 and three to, right. to catch and pass you in the next month. So you don't, you don't have to give this cushion back that you've started with. It's why it was so important to go and, and make hay the way that they have. Yeah. And that's where the, the hot start has just made a huge difference for them. And the West is just, I mean, there's always really good teams in the West, but the Wolves getting off to this hot start, like Wolves, Denver are obviously really good, but the West isn't, I don't think, uh, like wins-wise. It's still really good. It's not as deep, I think, though, as it's been in years past where like everyone is scratching and clawing just to get into the play-in because so many, there's so many good teams in the top six either. Yeah, there's a couple teams like the Warriors. You kind of figured the Warriors were going to look to flip a switch in like February, but God, they just look, they look, you got Steph Curry still bombing away, but they don't, they're not deep. They look old. They're, I think they're currently on the outside of the plane. I don't know the standings right in front of me. Yeah, Wig, uh, the, the Lakers back to being himself, huh? Wiggy, yeah, dude. Yeah, he doesn't look like he really cares anymore. Which yeah, he got, didn't get that look title. Like no, he cared for like two series in the playoffs when he, yeah. he he remember he came to the realization that oh, like I can go grab rebounds now. I'm guessing that personal issue that kept him away last season might like you know, I could see a distraction completely derailing him yeah yeah he's never been the most fiery guy but yeah there's just you know the i think the lakers were kind of a question too but my god they're the lakers look fantastic because lebron everyone's kind of like oh at some point lebron's not going to be lebron but i don't know like he's still lebron so smoke the pelicans yep uh rio 28 says let's get past the first round and then see what we do it's a great season so far but they haven't won anything yet. And then Ryan Schmoll says, don't forget what zip code you're dealing with here. We don't make the finals around here. I just want to say to Ryo and Ryan, this notion that like, hold on, everyone. Let's Mm -hmm. dude, this franchise, what Judd, you got your little inaugural notebook sitting nearby. It was 1989. Was that their inaugural, right? Yep. 89. So 34, 35 years, this franchise has advanced in the playoffs one season, 0304. 
This franchise has been the top of the Western Conference like a total of 10 days ever, 15 days before this season. You can celebrate what's happening right now. This is not a franchise. If you're the Lakers, okay, don't be... don't be celebrating yeah. too much in December, but these like yeah. celebration police don't tell these long suffering Wolves fans that they can't be joyous and happy about a great start to a season. Okay. And they're bringing it at the, at uh target center. They're bringing it good for them. And you should, I do have a question for you. If I, and I don't know if this dovetails into a question as well. Um, so to Declan's point to get ahead of the game a bit here, in the playoffs, what do you think the strategy in a, a prolonged series is going to be, and how much do you think it can work uh, to find um, to find issues in the armor of the wolves, especially Gobert? I mean, I would I would say a couple things. One, Dane Moore's NBA podcast is the place for like deep dive X's and O's, where he's going to tell you smarter things Phil. than, than I will ever tell you. I'm one of my pal Phil right now. I think you know I'm not like an X's and O's executionist in basketball, but I will tell you that, as I said before, Rudy took a lot of bullets for bad teammates defensively in Utah, where, like, there's that Clipper series in particular, where the Clippers kind of, they play like this five out, all five guys can shoot, and they're spreading. And the problem is, at the point of attack, that's right, point of attack yeah okay. so you said you don't do deep dives okay. listen guys i don't do deep deep dives but a little U- box and one might work utah didn't have good enough perimeter defenders to stop the initial push and once once the clippers i think the mavericks did this too a couple years ago against the jazz we're like and the mavericks have had like think about like luca barely plays any defense i mean he's going to put up 35 12 and 11 so he's he's still going to be one of the best players but but when you don't have guys that can stop the initial penetration, Jaden McDaniels, Anthony Edwards, the Wolves have guys like this, Kyle Anderson, all of a sudden now Rudy looks like an idiot in the spin cycle because now he's trying to help over here and, oh, I got to run. So, I mean, they have found something, though, because there's been some teams, and Oklahoma City is a great example. Oklahoma City with Chet Holmgren, I mean, dude, that he's a stretch seven-plus footer. Yep. And Rudy yep. spent that night. Now the Wolves were mixing in some zone, and they were they were they were playing some zone like in the third quarter, and that I think that was a good counterpunch. But zone or not, Rudy was spending time on the perimeter, in the mid range, and in the paint, making Chet Holmgren and other players' lives miserable. Mm-hmm. So if he's nimble enough to be able to get out and guard on the perimeter and also get back, like, dude, there was what was the game? I'm trying to think, they played a game like a week and a half or two weeks ago. It might have been that jazz game actually at home. And Rudy, Rudy, uh, Kyle and I have named, it's not a block, it's not a steal, it's not a rebound, it's a never mind. When a player dribbles into the lane and they see Rudy Gobert, and instead of pursuing what they were going to, like a layup or a floater or a mid-range shot, they say, never mind, and they dribble back out and they keep the possession going, yeah. right? Michael Grady has now uh, on the broadcast referenced never minds. Someone needs to start tracking these during the game. There was a possession where Rudy forced like four nevermines in the same shot clock against, I think it was the Jazz. This is the type of stuff that, I mean, he's he was doing this in Utah too, but if you can do this and you have three or four other guys that can stop dribble penetration and can be lanky, I just, you know, people just put it all on Rudy for some of those Jazz failures, and it wasn't right. it wasn't all on Rudy. So that's okay. my long rambling point. That's good, though. Okay. 
That I was curious. Sufficiently answer. Yes, question. an X's and O's. Like you put yourself <laughs> down and then you came through. No, no but if you want the real X's and O's, Dave yeah. Moore is, is a much smarter guy than I. Connor Johnson says, given how electric yesterday's in-season tournament games were, the Wolves fan base is owed an apology by the national media for over-celebrating, quote-unquote, a meaningless, quote-unquote, play-in tournament victory from a couple of years ago when Pat Bev was up on the scores yeah. table. Yep. Yeah, again, the celebration police, need to they need to calm down. Look, and, and in, in retrospect, was that a criticism of the Wolves and their fans, or, or was that the national press, which I think is tired of Pat Bev's shtick? Because that was a largely, you, you know, Pat Bev drove that, that by, as you said, go, uh, going up on the scores table, took his jersey off, launched it into the crowd. But I, I'm sorry, I have a hard time um, getting upset or down on Wolves fans for anything they celebrate. I, I mean, they've been awful. They've been a punchline. You've been a joke. I, I think it would sort. It, it would be like if the Lions go on a playoff run and being like, "Well, Patriots fans would never do that." Well, of course they're not going to. No. Patriots fans until the last couple of years are used to right. Super Bowls. You know, like I don't. It's not only the celebration police, but it's also, in my opinion, sort of like what's the context of your franchise? Dude, like if you're homeless and someone invites you into Manny's Steakhouse for like a, a $75 cut of filet mignon, and it's the first steak of that calorie you've ever had in your life. Yeah. Oh, God, salivating at the tail, right? The stomach, by like, the way, though. What, if you're homeless and you... No, you're a steak, like a rich steak, be a shock to the stomach right away. I digress, go on. For... Just like for homeless people or for anyone? No, for anyone who hadn't had steak. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. I was just thinking of that. Yes. Okay. I just brought it. Just, just thinking of that. I'm sorry. Would you would you My would bad. you criticize them for savoring that steak? Like act like you've had a filet before, okay, guy? I mean <laughs> yeah. let people enjoy their lives. If they want to cheer for December basketball, which we are around here, let them cheer. If they want to cheer for a play-in victory, which would constitute a banner being hung, probably. If we, I, I still say we should have hung the play-in champions banner back-to-back years. I don't know why we don't put that up. I do. I do think the. I saw a tweet, and I think it was serious. The Lakers were asked if they they would hang the in-season tournament championship banner, and they said, "No, we only hang NBA title." We don't hang like Western Conference champions, okay. only NBA championship banners. I guess they but do. They, they want a enough. ton of room up there. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say between retired numbers and championships, but if, if the Wolves won it, I'd get that sucker up oh, there yesterday. A hundred percent. There's nothing uh, in the rafters from the Wolves end, really. It's literally, and I don't mean to sound insensitive, the Wolves have two banners, and it's honoring two people who have passed away. Yep. It is Flip Saunders and Malik Seeley. Those are and the Seeley, those are right. the two banners. Or do we have a division? Do I we think win we have the division division there, champion yeah. banner too from mm-hmm. twenty years ago? That that thing must be so like like old and musty, yellowed, right? No, I don't think it is. It's I not? think it's just I think it's just up there. The Wilds is. The the Wilds got their Northwest Division Championship. It's like literally yellowed now. Yeah. Well, some of those Lakers banners are yellowed too, like actually yellow and old, but that's because they're championship banners. Uh, MGFS sports cards on YouTube says, love the content. You guys, I agree. The in-season tournament has been a huge success. I just want to add the changes you suggested to hopefully make it even better. How about the winner of the tournament gets home court advantage throughout the playoffs? Oh, wow. I mean, that's, that's aggressive. Much. That's aggressive. That's, I think this is a little aggressive. I- I think a for sure seed and and out of the play in is yeah, my you're, you're a six favorite. seed at worst. 
Yeah. Jared Valeski chimes in with a few more here. What do you think of these options for for uh, raising the stakes for the in-season tournament? Or we should just start calling it the NBA Cup. The NBA Cup. The NBA Cup. I like it. And is that what they're calling the Championship Cup? Yes. But let's call the whole tournament the NBA okay. Cup. Yep. You know? Sure. He says winner gets an extra home game in each round of the playoffs that year. So what if you already have like home right. court? You playing five home games in a seven game series? No, I don't think that could work. Okay. I don't know. Uh, winner gets to choose their opponent in each round of the playoffs that year. That sounds absolutely ridiculous, but I think something like that is something, coming in, yeah. in some sport. Like baseball's talked about it. Yeah. Choose your. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's coming in some way, shape, or form with like, within like the next 10 years in sports. What about this? In addition to, or not, I'll just say, let's let us just be a standalone thing. You also get the number 10 pick in the NBA draft in addition to the picks you already have. So baseball has something like this with their like comp, their comp picks. That. So, and that's more based on like if you lose a free agent, but so instead of there being 30 picks in the first round, there'd be 31 picks with the champion getting... Now, the, the players on the court don't give a rip about, yeah, we got an extra draft pick. This is great, right? So it'd be more of a, I think Declan just disappeared on us. We lost him. Oh, we'll go wide here. Um, would, you, would you consider that for, for more of like a front office reward? Yes. Yes, I would consider a draft. That's interesting. That's really intriguing. I think anything to just like make it feel bigger, right? What if the winner of the NBA Cup was given a a spot in the lottery? Like just like you're in the lottery and you're drawing. But you could win the top pick then. I like it, man. I think that, I mean, the players already get money. The players get... The players get a check that's like almost equal to the, or maybe even more. It's like right around the amount of money you get for winning the NBA finals. And coaches right? get paid now too. Yep. Yep. Um, hmm. Here's one, one more from euthanasia 007. <laughs> I say the Thanks. winner of the in-season tournament should get a free boat ride from Alan Almas to the playoffs. I hear Fred Smoot is the man for contact. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be happy to help yeah, out. The Vikings love boat from... From 20 years ago. I'm sure he'd be happy to help out. You know, Fred, Fred, Bryant McKinney, Dante Culpepper, (laughs) Mo Williams was all key players on the boat. Yeah. I mean, uh, anything to raise the stakes. Anything to raise the stakes. All right. He's got his dog scaring him. He's got his internet cutting out. My, like, Chrome just, like, shut down on me. It just closed. (laughs) It just closed on me. But it's back up now, I think. He's back. Well, you're back just in time for us to say goodbye here. (laughs) Yep. Flagrant howls. Yeah. We just yeah. fixed the entire association, Declan. We did. Yep. Yeah, we got to find the, the NBA in-season tournament, though. That's just, that's, that's too mouthy. You know what, though? It's too, we need it's the so, NBA it, Cup. It's so clear that it has worked and is really cool. Yeah, I know at the end of our Royce Unchained episode from today, Royce was saying that he thinks it's failing and he hopes it's failing. And I wanted to fight him, but I was like, you know what? It's not failing, dude. I'm not going to fight him. It's, it's not failing. It's awesome. In fact, you know what? Gary Bettman, pay attention to this. Ooh, NHL in-season tournament. That, yeah. NHL could use this. It's mm-hmm. a Major great League idea. Baseball could also use this. What are you talking about, Sonny? Oh, I don't know. God, you know they... what? Baseball has changed, Dude, though. Ba- imagine, like, these dead-ass months of, like, April, May, June. If you had a tournament, you now know these, these guys would be blowing their arms out to win, you know. <laughs> we should map out 
a tournament on on the twin show. I love that idea. I'm gonna write because I love because I'm telling you anything that throws a twist in yes. to to seasons and in the case of baseball in the case of basketball and, and hockey i think that there is a case to be made out that the regular seasons are too long oh, God, anything baseball. that throws a twist in what, what's that i would i would shave off i mean they will never well, do it but like i would shave off 40 games off the baseball schedule if i could like, what, if you, con- what if you converted 40 games to right. like an in-season tournament or something you know? yes Dude, we got to do this i love this idea Okay, well, if, yeah, especially the Twins aren't making any actual moves, so we'll we'll just, like, fix the whole sport on an episode. <laughs> well, so. we've tried before. Yep. All right, All Flagrant right. House, your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast here. It's Phil, Judd, Declan, our guy Kyle says hi from afar. We'll see you guys next week.